Well, good morning, church. I can't believe we got Dylan to do that. Um, <laughs> jump off that rock. Hey, wasn't that story um, about Amy just amazing? I love thinking about how her and her husband went all in for Jesus and rooted. And um, speaking of that, we are starting a new series called All In this morning. And we're going to be here for about the next month or so to kick off the fall. And we're going to touch on some Old Testament narratives and how they relate to some key points that we want to focus on as a church. And we're going to today focus on a vision that God has given us as a church. Um, and we believe we're at a great time here at North Church, that we are um, at a point um, where we need to go all in to accomplish our goals. We need everybody to do that with us. So um, we're going to watch um, a quick video as we jump in. We're going to talk about uh, Queen Esther today from the book of Esther and what she teaches us about faith. So let's take a, take a quick look. I probably watched that like 30 times, and every time I'm like, oh my gosh, is he going to fall? And, and I think that when we think about faith, we think about stepping out in faith, that, that what we saw in that video is a lot of like what it's like, right? That we step out in faith, we take the step, and then we fall down, and we have the choice to either like grab on and shimmy our way back, or we get to keep going, okay? So we're going to look at the story of Esther today, and, um, and what it looked like when she took a big step of faith. And then um, what we can learn from that, how we can apply that to areas of our lives. So we're going to be in Esther chapter 4, if you want to turn there, Bible, phone, whatever you got. This is one of those, those times where we're going to look at an Old Testament narrative that I'm not going to be able to do the justice of this story to you in 25 minutes, right? So um, go and read the whole book this week. You can even read it in one sitting, but take in just the amazingness of this story sometime um, this week, because we can really only give such a little picture here on a Sunday morning. So I'm going to catch you up um, enough that we can then proceed this morning. So uh, many of us have heard about King David and King Solomon. That was kind of the heyday of God's people, of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. 
And after a series of bad kings and rejecting God's many plans given to the Israelites, um, God allowed the kingdom of Babylon to come and conquer um, the, the Jewish people. So we find them now being ruled by a king named Xerxes, okay? If you read in your Bible, it might say King Ahasuerus. Um, same person, uh, so don't be super confused if your Bible has two different names going in there. Um, so King Xerxes, the most powerful, influential, affluent man in the world in his day, and he sits on a throne and he rules like a god, okay? Before we get to Esther, um, Xerxes had a wife and he divorced her because she wouldn't pray in front of a drunken dinner party. So we can see this guy's a little um, probably irrational and not maybe have it all together. So four years later, he holds an enormous competition, okay? Hundreds of women are coming from all over to be in it, and the winner becomes the queen of Persia, okay? Becomes Xerxes' wife, like the original bachelor, right, ladies? Similar? Um, so really horrible, sick man that is overseeing this entire process. And one of the young women that was in the competition is a young gal named Esther, so who the, the book is named after. Um, she's Jewish by descent, was an orphan, and was adopted by her older cousin Mordecai. Okay, so, so far we've met three people in our story. We've got King Xerxes, um, his wife Esther, and then Esther's cousin Mordecai. Um, person number four in this story, his name is Haman. Okay? Haman is one of Xerxes' kind of right-hand guys. Um, Haman's an egomaniac, loves power and glory and public recognition, much like Xerxes. And um, a decree is made from Xerxes that says everybody must bow down to Haman. Okay? Um, everyone bows except one guy, okay? So Mordecai doesn't bow to Haman, okay? They don't get along. He's like, no, I'm not bowing. Um, Mordecai is a Jew, and so is Esther. So Haman then says, well, I'm going to have Mordecai killed because he didn't bow to me. And because he didn't bow to me, I'm going to have 15 million other Jews killed because of that, right? So we're talking like Hitler 1.0. We're going to kill. He's going to go kill everybody because one dude didn't bow to him. So we can see, I mean, it's kind of messed up, the whole situation, right? So out of desperation, Mordecai then appeals to Esther, to his kind of adopted daughter. Um, she's the, the queen. She's Xerxes' husband. And, and they know the only way we're going to get through this is if Xerxes somehow stops Haman. Um, except the, the big issue is that the queen doesn't actually have um, the right to ask the king to do something. Um, so out of desperation, Mordecai appeals, and, um, and this, is, this is what happened. Um, if you were to walk into the king, and, and he was upset, okay, which happened a lot, because Xerxes sat on his throne, drank a lot, and was pretty volatile. Um, if, if the king became mad that you came to him, all they would do is just like chop your head off. Okay? So like ancient archaeological digs show that there was some guy standing behind the king, and if the king got mad, they just killed you. So no second chances, no third chances. It's kind of a one or done thing. If the king decided, okay, you're okay to be here and ask something of me, he would extend the golden scepter, okay, with a big long gold thing. Don't worry about it, but just picture cool thing. So he would, he would do this and like you're knighting someone, okay? So um, he would extend that if he welcomed you. Um, so Esther is, is, is in this situation and thinking, gosh, I want to do something. I want to go make a difference, but it's dangerous, okay? And that's what faith is, okay? Faith is action in the face of opposition, okay? Faith is action in the face of opposition. So um, there's many times that, um, that we want to step out and do something, like the guy on the rope, right? Like he knows I got to step out and I got to take the step. 
Um, but faith is what gets us to take that step, okay? Knowing that we might fall, that we might not be successful, but faith gets us there in the first place. So Esther's saying, okay, the only way to get the king to reverse Haman's decree to kill all our people is I got to go to the king. I got to tell him, hey, you can't do this. You got to change something. And now we get back in the narrative where we're going to jump in, okay? So Esther is, is um, talking with Mordecai. Mordecai is talking to Esther. And here we are. Um, and, and Mordecai says this to her as she's trying to decide whether or not to go see the king, okay? Esther 4.14 says, Mordecai says, For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. We're going to come back to that in a few. And then um, he continues on and says, And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Okay, that's kind of one of those, like um, you'd go to the Christian bookstore and it'd be on like a cool picture up on your wall, right? Like that's that line we're talking about from the Old Testament. Like you have been put here for this time. So Esther finds herself at the tipping point, okay? On the precipice of history. And either she stands up for her faith and attempts to stop the genocide of God's people or... She keeps her silence. So one of, one of two things. She either attempts and maybe gets killed, or she just stays quiet and keeps going, right? And the reality is that I'm not some naive, rosy, it's all bunnies, hugs, and muffins preacher, right? Like, there's people in the Bible that they do something crazy, and they get killed. Okay, John the Baptist gets his head cut off. Like, it happens. Okay, Peter um, is, gets crucified upside down. It, at the farther we go in church history, like, there's, there's people that... Like, it would not be out of the norm for Esther to get killed here. And the story, it's not like the story that we're reading ends and they live happily ever after. Xerxes got saved. Um, he went to Bible college. He planted a mega church. Um, <laughs> Esther runs the women's ministry. They have 27 bilingual kids that are missionaries to China. And they speak Persian and Hebrew and Greek and English and French. Like, that's not the reality of this situation. So um, Esther knows, like, I'm not going to ever get there. So we, um, what can I do in this moment. And what happens? Esther goes all in, right? Did we catch that, like, name of the series? Okay, so there we go. So Esther goes all in. Okay, Esther takes that step, and in a dramatic moment, he doesn't cut her head off, right? He extends the scepter to her, and she's given favor and grace, and Xerxes really cracks the political mold um, of the day. Like, something happened that no one expected. So church, we, we believe that we're in some ways in a very similar spot. Okay, we believe God is calling us to execute our faith like Esther did. We believe that we're in a moment of time where it is time to go all in. So we're going to look at three different things Esther did um, during this time of herself going all in um, that we as a church body can emulate. Okay, so slide number one, point one. Esther's faith expanded her vision. Okay, through this experience, Esther's faith extended her vision exponentially, right? It went from her being focused on herself, her standing with the king, her welfare, is her head going to get cut off, to being focused on all of these 15 million other people. Are, are they going to die? Okay, um, what's their standing with the king? And Esther realized her decision to approach the king and risk death was not... Um, just about her, okay? It was going to impact her and her family, Mordecai, her entire race. Um, and we get to ask the question of how easy would it have been for her to just look out for her own safety, 
right? I think very easy, very easy. But instead, she looked beyond herself. She saw the plight of millions of Jews, and her faith compelled her to see beyond herself and needs of others, okay? Much like many of us have, have maybe experienced a situation where we see something in the news or we see um, some um, atrocity happening in the world, and we then get to decide, okay, am I going to sit back and talk about it and post on Facebook about it, or am I going to go actually do something about it, right? Because just so, so we're very clear, posting on Facebook doesn't count as like vision being that expanded, okay? So um, when our vision becomes expanded, we actually want to do something instead of just talking about doing something, okay? Which leads us to point number two, that Esther's faith expressed itself in action, so Esther had an option. She had the opportunity to say, I'm one of God's people, and that's true in my heart, but she didn't have to act on it, right? She could have kept it all in. She could have bottled it up inside um, and not act on, on anything. Esther overcame fear in order to make a difference. So fear has a tendency to make us freeze, right? It makes us stop. It makes us doubt, and it makes us decide whether or not we're going to step out in faith or an act, or remain silent. I can think back to a time in my life where I was, was faced with one of those action moments. I had um, became a follower of Jesus and, and really kind of wasn't sure what I was going to do with my life. I had a plan, was in college, and, and had really felt God speak to me and say, hey, Colin, I want you to go be a pastor. I want you to, to preach the gospel and, um, and reach out to lost people and, and care and love for people. And so I felt God say that to me, and then uh, the next week, I ended up with a family member, and my family's one of those, like, um, one side of the family is, like, excited for me, happy that, like, I found a passion and a career and all that stuff. The other side's like, you're an idiot because you believe in Jesus. We don't like Jesus. You could do anything but be a Christian, and we would love you, but if you be a Christian, we're going to not like you. So, of course, the, this conversation is happening with probably the most hostile person on this side of the family. And... Um, he owns an apartment complex, and I was going to do his yard work for him during the summer. And so we're sitting down, and we're talking about how much money he's going to pay me. And, and eventually he says, so what are you going to do with your life? And I, I think I was dreading this question happening because I um, had felt like God spoke to me. And so I say, well, so I had an, an option, right? Like I have that action step. Either I remain silent, keep what God's doing inside of myself, or I take that step out in faith and say, um, I'm going to be a pastor, and I believe in Jesus, and all of this, all of that, right? And so I said, well, I'm going to be a pastor. And so I say what I'm going to do. And I, I then just proceed to get the beratement of, um, if you ever have children, you're going to be doing child abuse, raising Christian in a Christian home, and like just crazy stuff, right? And um, my wife can like hear us talking. She's, we weren't married. She was in the other room, and He's telling me, I wish that your wife never would have led you to Christ, but you would have convinced her to not be a Christian. And like, crazy stuff, right? And it's just coming and coming. And, and as I think back on that moment in my life, I think it was a very key pivotal moment. And potentially I wouldn't be where I am today without that, that action happening and taking that step of faith out and actually doing something, something with that. Um, because sometimes it's little tiny steps, right, that, that lead us to, um, to taking bigger steps down the road. And so um, really just standing up for Jesus in that moment and saying, no, this is what I believe in. Um, even though it was just me and one other person in a little conference room. It was a huge step for me to take in my walk that's led to many different things. 
Um, let's look, take a quick look um, at Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, 18 to 22. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter. He is Jesus, so he saw two brothers, Simon, it's called Peter. That's like Peter, um, like the Peter of the Bible who, uh, after Jesus uh, died, started the church. And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two older brothers, two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Okay? Um, faith in Jesus inspired action in these men, right? Like, they saw Jesus. They could have stayed in the boat and watched from afar as things were happening, but instead they got out of the boat. Um, action happened, and, and they took a step, right? So the question is, what has God done for you or asked you to do that's going to take that step, right, to get out of the boat? Okay, for some of us, um, maybe it's time that um, you feel called to give to a local church, and you're like, okay, this is the time. This is that step of faith that even if I give, like, God's going to provide enough, I'm going to have food, okay? I'm going to eat. I'm going to have all these, these things still, but God is going to take care of me. Um, maybe it's that step of faith of becoming vulnerable with a community of people, with, like, a life group, with um, people that are going to hold you accountable and walk through life with you. Or maybe it's time to take that step in a career field change, okay? Or schooling, whatever that is, but but sometimes we just have to take action, get out of the boat, take a step, and, um, and take a step in faith. Back to Esther, slide number 3.3. Esther's faith mobilized others. Esther knew that she needed help if she's going to pull this thing off, right? She knows, like, there's no way I can do this whole thing by myself. She needed other people behind her. At one point when Esther's deciding whether or not to go in to see the king, she asks Mordecai, Two, and this is Esther 4, 16. Um, Esther says, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, um, night or day. That's like a big ask, right? I can't not eat for three hours. So three days is like humongous. Like, don't fast for three days. And she's getting strength from that, okay? Like God's strengthening her because of the sacrifice that other people are making. Um, she then says, um, I and my young women, so that's like her and her life group, okay? I'm the life group pastor, so I get to say things like that. So I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. If I live, I live. If I die, I die. I just want to do what's right. So Esther has now had this like huge change in her perspective, right? She's gone from very introspective, only thinking about what's best for her to changing and and looking at it thinking, if I die, like, whatever, like, that's okay, because I am taking the step that God's asking me to take, and nothing's going to happen unless I do it. It's her point of view. Esther's faith mobilized other people to stand beside her in the face of evil, at the moment when a difference needed to be made. Okay? She needed people with her. She needed to mobilize other people. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that um, maybe life is in crisis, job, marriage, all that sort of stuff. And, and, and they say, Colin, I can't even handle this, these things that are happening to me. And I say, well, I can't fix what's happening to you. But the reality is, is like, let's get you in a community of people and get people surrounding you 
and I bet that your situation's gonna get better. Okay, and even if their job is still as terrible as beforehand, the situation's better because they have people praying for them, okay? They have community around them, okay? They're, it's, it's just better this way, okay? Our faith mobilizes people. It gets people together, and it's so powerful and practical in our everyday lives. So um, now let's apply now. So we read the scripture. We saw what it said. Let's not just take this these points like, okay, pastor talked about faith. That's cool. I'm going to have faith. Let's like, what does this actually mean to us? So we find ourselves huge group of people, okay, probably 400 something people sitting in this room, okay? Our reach is unbelievable, okay? I mean, to think of all the different people and all the places that we have connection to is huge. Um, and now here's the reality of our situation. We can either sit back and relax and not take a step of faith into the unknown, or we can take that step and make a difference in our world and in our community. Okay, so I said we're gonna go back to it. Verse 14, um, Mordecai told Esther she was put in a place for a specific time or place. Um, and then he said, um, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, okay? Let's put that a little bit in the context of our lives. If church, if we don't do anything and we just stand back and we like stand on the edge, okay? and look out at our world, and look out at the people in our lives in this broken, sin-filled world we live in. But if we never take that step, right, God's gonna find someone else to do it. Like, that's the reality of our God. Um, he's sovereign, he has a plan that's greater than us. Okay, so that's reality. Okay, we get to choose, are we gonna be used by God and we're gonna do something, or are we just gonna sit back on the sidelines and let somebody else do it? Um, and we believe that God is speaking to us as a church, um, not just to Pastor Mike or Pastor Scott, not just to our church staff, not just to people that are serving or leaders, but, but, but even if you're here for the first time today, we would think God's speaking to you. God is speaking to us um, about a vision that we've been given um, that we need to go all in if we're going to accomplish. Okay, so this is our church vision. Um, we're believing God to help us catalyze a movement of missional people. Okay, all a missional person is, is someone who um, wants to share Jesus with people, who is discipling others, who's helping people learn about God, um, who is pastoring, being friends with people, and someone who's reaching out into the community and, and helping other people. Okay, that's a missional person, so don't, many of us are that, don't freak out by that weird word. Missional people who establish thousands of new missional communities in LCN, Spokane, and around the world. Missional community, just a life group, right? A place where we're discipling, we're making disciples, um, we're sharing, uh, we're being friends, we're hanging out, we're pastoring each other, helping each other through the hard times, and we're serving people in different areas of our lives, okay? So that's our church vision. Like, that's where we're going, okay? Um, and so to accomplish that, we've made some goals. So we have some 10-year goals that go along with our vision. One of those 10-year goals is that um, we want to have 1,500 people actively um, involved in North Church missional communities. So 1,500 people, that's huge, right? That's um, like four times the amount of people in this room. So that means multiple things. That means some church growth. It means some church planting, some multiplication, all this, this stuff. But to make a real difference in our community, we don't want to be a church body that just comes and sits in this room on Sunday morning and then goes out to our jobs and does nothing all week. And then next weekend, we come back and sit in this room again. Like that's, I, I've never found a Bible verse in the Bible that says to do that. And so if you have, come tell me and we'll redo the message. 
But there's nothing in the Bible that says go and sit in your room on a Sunday morning um, with all of like your Christian people and then don't do anything and don't go talk to people, right? Don't go share Jesus with the world, okay? So Jesus didn't just sit back and do nothing, right? Just go to church one day a week, okay? He was missional. He was living his life every single day, intentionally making and connecting people to himself. So we want to be doing that same thing. It all comes down to having faith, right? That we can accomplish um, something huge. It's that faith to take that first step out and, and to be vulnerable when we take that step. Um, I, I, think, I think back to missional communities and to life groups. And, and here's where my group, we were in this, in this place. Um, Dylan had led our group through Rooted. And we came out on the other side of Rooted. And we'd added some people into our group. And we were talking about mission and talking about what it looks like to step out in faith and, and what is it going to look like to mobilize people around a mission and what's it going to look like uh, to, to have our faith expressed in action, okay? And what's it going to look like um, to have our vision expanded to different people? And we had a conversation in our group about um, what does this look like? And we came up with many different things as a collective group of, you know, the things that I really feel like we need to make a difference in are young families. And and parents that are struggling to, to parent their kids and live um, productive lives. And one, someone said, you know, I really struggle with seeing kids put in, in a situation that they didn't ask to be put in, right? And so we had this conversation, and a great conversation, figuring out what is our life group going to do. And, um, and so then I, it was the next day, a couple of days later, my um, daughter ends up in the emergency room. So this is my second message in a row that I've told an emergency room story, so please don't like judge me as a parent. I, I, it's really, it's just accidents. So she jumps off my bed, she hits her head, she's barfing everywhere, she gets a concussion, we're like going to the emergency room, um, and uh, we, we get to Sacred Heart, they bring her in, and they have her in one of like the, the ER rooms, okay, not like the, so they have like a triage room, they evaluate you, but we're in one of like the more permanent rooms in the back. You could be in for a little while if you needed to. And so um, we get Caroline, my daughter, in, into her room, and now let's kind of push her off to the side and forget about her. She's fine, she's all good. Um, but as we come in, my mother-in-law's with us, and my mother-in-law, we pass this little room, this little girl sitting on a bed with an, with an adult, and we get in our room, and my mother-in-law says, that little girl goes to the school I work at. She's a para-ed in elementary school. And um, she says, we get settled, and my mother-in-law says, I'm going to go check on this little girl, see what the deal is, because the social worker was there with her. And so she's gone maybe five, ten minutes, and she comes back in, and she says, she's kind of, she's tears crying as she walks back in. And I say, what's the matter? And she says, well, that little girl goes to the school I work at, and um, she tried to burn her house down Well, that was Monday. We're at Sacred Heart on Wednesday at, at 6 or 7 at night. Um, and the little girl's parents hadn't been there yet. So it's like 48 hours, no parents, social worker sitting with her for that long. Social worker hasn't gone home because they're worried about the little girl trying to hurt herself. And the little girl's in first grade. And I'm, I'm not saying that like my daughter got a concussion so that we would like experience this little girl's situation. 
Okay, but in some ways it felt like God put us in this, like, in this place. Okay, what, like, because um, one of the things that my wife and I felt was maybe as a life group we should reach out to this elementary school and we should try to make a difference here. And here smack in our face is this little girl um, that, that tried to burn her house down. And so we go home that night to our nice little house and our little family and that little girl sits in a triage room in Sacred Heart for three weeks. Now the little girl is on a psych ward at a larger regional hospital. Um, her and her siblings have been given back and forth from each parent three or four times by CPS. Nothing's a good situation. So here we find ourselves, right? Wrapped up in this little girl's story is everything that our group was passionate about and wanted to make a difference in. Kids being put in a situation that they had no control over. Parents who obviously need Jesus, because that's the only thing in this world that can bring them back from wherever they're at. So how do we, in, how do we impact that? How do we make a difference in other kids' lives? So my wife and I go back to the group. We say, hey, let's, here's a story. Let's go serve at this elementary school. Let's take a step in faith. Go do something that's uncomfortable, and let's go do it. So this was um, in the spring. We ended up, we served a little bit at the elementary school before the summer vacation. We have a police officer in our group. He was able to go in and do an assembly on what it looks like to make good choices. And... And now we've been talking about it in the summer and we're ready to, to start serving again at this school during the year, okay? Um, but it's taken us having faith to step out and to do that and to make a difference in our community, okay? Because if, if we can, can go help and help coach a basketball team or help kids learn to read or write and we can make a relationship with a kid that makes that difference that, um, that but maybe they don't go down that same path that little girl did, then all the time is worth it for that one little kid, right? So that one family to be transformed by Jesus. So that's where we're at. Church, we get to either take that faith, go out, do something about it, or we get to just kind of stand by and not do anything. Not go make a tangible difference. So the way I see it is that there's three types of people in this room. They're all, no one's better than anyone else, but there's kind of three types. Person number one is someone who, um, maybe you're in a life group, you've gone through Rooted, you've done all this, you're serving in the community, you have a walk with Jesus. Um, awesome, bless you, thank you. Please don't get complacent, okay? Keep taking steps with Jesus. Keep taking steps to take that next um, piece of your walk farther. Okay, person number two, um, this is kind of a hard thing to address from the pulpit, so if this is you, please just, Take it gracefully. Um, maybe for like years you've sat in the back row and you come in five minutes late and you leave five minutes early and you've never gone all in. Okay, so having a series called All In gives the ability to speak to this and say, hey, maybe like it's time to go all in and let's get involved in community. Let's get involved in a rooted group because maybe you're gonna have an experience like Amy and Damien did. We watched that video and your life is gonna, your, your life is gonna be drastically changed. Okay, and then you can go all in and make a difference in the world for Jesus and your job and your family. Okay, so maybe that's you. If that's you, like, let's go take that step. Let's talk after this. Go to the info counter. Talk with people out there. Let's get you into community, okay? Not just sitting in the back row and not just being complacent in our faith. Okay, and person number three, um, maybe you're not a Christian. Okay, you no faith in Jesus. No, um, you've never taken that next step. You know, you've heard about Jesus. 
And maybe you feel like, I don't even have enough faith to be a Christian because I don't get the whole thing, right? That's okay. okay. I can remember being in that exact spot, thinking, man, I don't get it all, but God, give me faith, okay? So we're going to pray for you in a minute, if that's you. Um, what we're going to do now, um, let's stand up all together, if you're able. Um, we're going to have one of those like sweaty palm moments that we're going to hold hands. So, because I don't have to, you guys get to. Um, so, hold hands with the person next to you, um, because this faith thing is not an individual thing. Okay, this faith thing is a, um, is a body of believers thing. Okay, this faith is something that we don't do alone, we do together. Okay, so first we're going to start out, I'm actually, I'm going to come down and hold hands and do that with you. So we're going to pray first for that person um, that doesn't know Jesus, and we want to come around you as a family, and then we're going to pray for all of us. Um, so Lord, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for this amazing body of people that is here today. Um, if you're that person that you are, you're right there, you're ready to go all in for Jesus, let's pray together. Um, Lord, thank you so much for loving me uh, from the start, from drawing me to you and being there through everything for me, Lord. Um, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I um, acknowledge you as the Lord of my life, and um, I love you, Jesus, and I want to follow you forever. And for all the rest of us, Lord, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being the perfect God that we can look to in every instance. Um, Lord, thank you. You are amazing. Um, please guide us as we walk this week. Week, Help us to be all in for you. Um, we love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, church. Okay, don't, don't Stand up. Keep standing. So, so don't sit down. I'm going to send you out real quick. Here's the thing. What would happen if all of us started every day committed to answering these three questions throughout the day? God, who do you want me to see and serve? Specifically, what do you want me to do about that? And who can I bring along with me? Can you imagine the way the kingdom of God would expand if we spent our days answering those questions actively? So I'm going to charge you to do that. Also want to let you know, we fielded a bunch of requests um, on the new uh, North Church t-shirts, the different varieties that you've seen around, we're going to do another printing of those. So if you're interested in getting in on that next printing, I need you to stop by, let them know that out at the information counter. You can pre-purchase them, and they'll get you all set up. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.